Welcome to another uh, episode of Bad Praxis. We've got uh, a couple things to go over with you, but uh, I think we're going to start off with um, the horrible events happening in the Middle East right now. So I don't know about all of you, but this is uh, pretty good for me. President Trump is uh, delivering for me uh, in my DNR investments. Uh, how, about, how about you guys? I mean, I am really looking at Raytheon right now, personally. Nice. Uh, I will say, as a uh, as an investor in uh, Shell, um, uh, pres- President Trump. Uh, I am a twelve year old girl in Iran. Uh, <laughs> please, please send me a uh, five hundred man pads. Yeah, no, it uh it 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 feel it feels good to finally have my uh my faith in the uh in the defense industry rewarded. I wasn't old enough to invest in the first Iraq war. Um but we always but knew there was going to be another one. Here I here I am, baby. I mean, it really just shows how um committed we are to democracy and shareholder value. The two most important things in the world. Yeah. It's been incredible to see everyone so pissed off about Middle Eastern names that they'd not heard the day before and they just have a like blood splattering unending hatred for now. It's uh, uh totally justified. Been really dope to see like prominent publications referring to like a fucking foreign service person as a bad guy as if he's like in a fucking Marvel movie. Like that's been really great to watch the, all day. The, the title of that on on uh I know you're talking about the, the CNBC one. Yes. America just took out a man many consider the world's number one bad guy. But I don't I don't think that that was the original title. I think it was like literally like we literally just we just took out the world's out worst bad guy. bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, General Suleimani snapped his fingers and half of the troops in Baghdad disappeared. You know the the it I, honestly I think the the right wing are are just very excited that he's dead because they vaguely remember like uh, the Ottoman uh, Emperor Suleiman. <laughs> <That's a bad laughs> they, they think we finally won the Second Crusade. That like literally is what this is like. Yeah, the, the Turk. <laughs> the, the the yeah the, 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 the article General Suleiman can't cross the Danube. That article, and it's not worth reading, but it, it, the beginning of it's kind of funny to me. The rest of it peters off. It starts out, uh, so so just who is this top Iranian uh, general the U.S. just eliminated? Uh, you might in ask. Game, in a video or, game. You, you might wonder if he's the world's biggest guy. Why do you have to ask that? <laughs> <laughs> you, may be, you may be wondering, who the fuck is this guy? And why are you telling me it's good he's dead? I don't know, but I, I fucking hate him. <laughs> I hate him now. So I, I thought I, I thought that in 2003, the turn toward from all the major news channels 
to turn toward actually as good were invading Iraq was fast. This 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 happened so fast it broke my neck. Yeah. From this dude getting assassinated last night to this morning, the the news changed from oh wow this thing happened and it's going to have you know major implications to this is good. Just the on switch just flipped on like right. No prelude. They don't tease us. They don't like do fake UN speeches. It's just. All right, we're doing it. Right. If somebody were, like, asked to make, like, a short presentation on, like, what manufacturing consent is, they would just, like, have people do what everybody was doing today. Like, just... Just all the blue checks. and Yes. Yeah. Immediately being, like... Oh well, this you know CNN. I know oh I know God. who this person is. Well, this this morning I was watching CNN, and I was getting like literally so sputtering mad. I was screaming at the TV. <laughs> uh, my sister like woke up and told me to shut the fuck up. So, okay, boomer. It was a good good morning. Me yelling yeah, at the literally... TV. I, I truly am a boomer. Yeah, apparently I a... into cable news. Alex is literally my dad. Apparently, a few hours ago, MSNBC was uh, talking about Iran, and on to talk about Iran, they had uh, Mr. Too Damn oh, yes. Not Having an Eye, Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> uh, Mr. Too, like, Mr. Too Damn Death Perception. <laughs> he's he's just he's just looking for the sequel. Uh, in that he uh, he is look he is looking to not have any eyes. Well, <laughs> well we're going. I... We don't need eyes. <laughs> My uh, my father was shouting uh, "kill them all" at the TV while watching Fox News today. So, you know, uh, I'm right there with you. I also he, yell at. at he, he 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 means uh, he means uh, uh, the United States carriers. I assume. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, yeah. He he was my just. Dad is, my dad is a big uh, third worldist. He was he was yelling out his uh, favorite uh, Metallica albums. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't. You didn't hear. It was. It was. Uh, kill them all. Uh, Ride the lightning is okay. But with, with Dan Crenshaw, it really shows the the right has no conception of of solidarity because he he's exactly the kind of person who, uh, when deployed, someone would have been back home like fucking his spouse. Mm-hmm. I also he, he doesn't have any concern for all for all, all the young boys that that he's in, and women and. Um, I guess we can't say non-binary because of how exclusionary the military is, but uh, right. but uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, lonely spouses, and it's this is his doing. Yeah, it's it's um, also just occurred to me that Dan Crenshaw is number two from Austin Powers. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> Explain. Good. Uh, um, he's. It's Dr. impossible Evil's to explain. Right hand man. <laughs> it's it's just. If you don't oh. know, you shouldn't. You shouldn't want to know. Oh, yeah. Also, also really loving that the uh, the outline of left wing opposition from political figures has mostly been 
uh, make a tweet with some massive oh, throat clearing about how General Suleiman was actually a horrible person. He was person. a real icky guy. Uh, he was actually, there was a real justification for what Trump did, but I don't like it because he didn't check the right boxes. I'm doing anti-war activism. Yay! So, so can, can we talk about how so many of these tweets had the exact same language in it? Mm-hmm. Like they were, like they were, like their speechwriters like rewrote the same statement. Yeah, that, that was pretty like, bad, but like, just jumping off of what uh, Seth was saying for a second, um, and I guess we, we should introduce Seth in a second. But, like, <laughs> if you listen to the show, you know who Seth is. You should know. I, you honestly should know who Seth is. Honorary <laughs> Praxiteer. But like, um, it, it seems like a lot of liberal blue checks problem is that he will the, the president will not like he doesn't have the competency to wage this war and that's the problem not the war but but we should have like yeah. a cooler head who doesn't say the the fucking quiet part like in all caps at 3 a.m because they fucking love when we go to war they love being able to be like see we're we're just as patriotic as you guys. We're not pussy like, bitches, too. It's yeah, just, we oh, fucking God. love killing brown Daddy, people. I'm tough, God. too. Yeah, they they want someone who can aim the, you know, giant fucking maw of state in the right direction in ways that, in ways that will allow the bloodletting to continue without excess uh, domestic unrest. Somebody who has a West Wing one-liner before they press the fucking red button to send the nukes to fucking North Korea. Yeah, like, they're, like they're super torn about it. Just Trump has no compunction about it. But they're going to do it anyway. Are they torn? I don't know. Fuck. They're, I mean, they're ghouls. I don't actually care what they love being but that's dramatic. That's what their posture is. But they don't give a fuck, like, and in real life. I will. I will also say that uh, like, you know, uh, I think Bernie's, Bernie's statement on, on this was the best out of, out of anyone, but like also none of these statements mention uh, Iraqis or Iranians, except in like in passing, in implication, in the concept of, uh, you know, air quotes, lives, not like the, not these people that are going to be the ones doing the dying. The, the, right, the actual targets. Yep. I mean, they they're referenced in so much as they're acknowledged as like organic beings. Yeah. Well, I mean, because at the end of the day, like, even if liberals don't want to play as fast and loud with the, like the pieces on like the chessboard that they see, like the way that they see foreign policy in the Middle East is like a bunch of pawns to be moved around as they see fit and to be exterminated as they see fit. Like they don't, they don't care to pay attention to like, because they also see this as an opportunity to extract resources. Well, I I think there's another part of it too. It really is. I think like the interventionist narcissism, because you know, in all likelihood, you know, unless unless the invasion we do is like nuking uh, Iran into oblivion, uh, probably whatever war we fight is not going to fundamentally uh, remake the Iranian political sphere. Uh, 
Um, no, it's just going to be pointless violence. It, it's just going to it's going to you know shuffle pieces around on a board. Um, but this is the, the the narcissism of it. Is ultimately it's about feeling like you can morally accept your government because they tried, damn it. They tried to overthrow, you know, X bad guy in the world. Who gives a shit about what the actual result for the actual people on the ground? You don't care. You don't fucking live there. You're never going to go there in your life. Um, you know, it's just it, all that's all that's relevant is you have a a theoretical moral thing to be excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Seth Seth talking about the reactions of people on the ground um reminded me of uh, of today of of Mike Pompeo getting on on CNN God. and saying that saying that in in Iraq and Iran uh the the death of Suleimani would be like greeted with with celebrations and as like a side of freedom when in in reality he was probably going to be the next president of Iran and enjoyed massive popularity, like an 81% approval rating. Yeah. But you know, we're the good guys. So if we killed him, I mean, obviously people are going to like it. We've never shown anybody in the middle East that we have, you know, ulterior motives or anything. They always trust us. Everyone welcomed with warm and open arms. Um, fucking Guaido, right? I mean, God, we're so we're so stupid. Well, yeah. These are the same motherfuckers that in two thousand and three assured everyone, assured the world community that we would be greeted as liberators in Iraq. Yeah, and like all those fucking kids, they're handing like the candies out to, like they're grown ass people. Yeah, they grew up and joined the Mahdi army. In the militias that we're bombing right now. I, I will say, uh, Felix from Chapo is 100% right. We really are bringing back the mid-2000s with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I wish, I wish popular podcasts would use the lathe of heaven for good. <laughs> <laughs> know your powers. Uh, like I said in the, the DM, this is like Millennium Challenge 2020. Like it, yeah, no lessons have been learned. Mm-mm. All all my losses was lessons. That doesn't mean I learned anything. And I think we've referenced that that before, but like Millennium Challenge uh, uh, was like twenty two or O two or whatever they call it. Um, I think is a, is a a pretty good like a demonstration of of how there there literally are no like options. That the U.S. can play in a, in a war that ran. I might be worth like um, uh, giving that a listen again if if anyone or if you haven't heard it before. So um, I'll like put a link uh, in the description of that and recommend like anyone who's delving into the like Iran Iraq stuff uh, just give that a listen and, and have a context of what the execution of an actual war against Iran and then. And how it's totally infeasible, and like just the violence and bloodshed that would immediately be be wrought. No, it's a good thing I think to to send to your like your friends who who maybe maybe kind of dipshit and anyone who says like we have to do something right, and the people who think it'll be easy because like we 
we're our military so powerful, man. You know, I heard that like 900 times at work today. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Um, yeah. and, uh, it's a, it's a different, uh, it's a much more even playing field out there than, 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 than people want to admit, um, which should be good. It should mean that we're less likely to intervene in, in other countries, but what it means in reality, because, you know, they don't, give a fuck about about your kids or whoever's no. kids are joining whatever you know poor kids are enlisting um it just means that more are gonna get uh melted because yeah. uh, iran is way different than iraq not just with their military but it's such a it's a massive country it's a problem i think for like the psyche of the american military state so like smaller powers we're so used to like bullying them cooing them taking over it doesn't always work see venezuela um and and then you have like then you have like the the world level powers or whatever you'd call them like china and russia we know we can't point to them but like iran just you know we were humiliated by them under carter and like it it just it's just been this fever dream of, of like being able to like win against them. And, and it just is not a thing that is fun. I think that that's like part of like why we're so ardently trying to like bluster against them. I'm, I'm really excited for Trump to say that general uh, Suleimani uh, did the, uh, did the Beirut uh, Marine <laughs> bombing in 83 (laughs) yeah absolutely i I mean i do think i do think this is uh this really gets at uh a thing that uh the war nerd has said uh let's subscribe to the radio war nerd podcast um that militaries that become colonial police forces destroy their ability to actually fight real wars. It just rots it away. Because you build up this, uh, all all of these strategies to essentially, you know, go play whack-a-mole. And you build up a culture of, like, fascistic psychopaths um, in your military. And then when you have to go up against somebody who is even, like, you know, half as powerful as you, you just can't. It's, you're just fucked. Yeah, uh, we'll be dipping into the British pool a, a little later, but that's <laughs> probably a perfect example of that because they they had structured their military and their, their state to like oppressing these defenseless people all around the world, um, India or South Africa or, or, or where have you. And then they're just totally <laughs> ill-prepared against... Uh, another first-rate power. Um, well, I mean, look at speaking of of England, and this may be a good time to transition. But you know, forty forty ish years on from the end of World War II, they almost lost a war to Argentina yeah. over a pair of hideous islands in the south. Which Atlantic. I mean, frankly, Argentina should have won that. Well, okay, I'm not going to be armchair military expert, but but knowing some of the things I know about Iran, it's Kind of baffling to me that they got so romped. I mean, they they were they were at that point a like 
a hunter in terminal decline. Uh, oh yeah, basically the reason. And almost, and still almost right. beat the UK. Yeah. Um, not to get all. I I, I don't want to. I don't want to get all like uh, war shit on the show. But yeah, I agree. Folks, S four hundreds. Let's talk about them. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of the General Belgrano? I'm gonna go over all the. Military hardware used in the Falklands War. Yeah, <laughs> I'm opening. I'm opening James fighting ships right now. All right, so I guess we're transitioning. Yeah, time. Um, yeah, uh, second worst country in the world. Oh, thank God I can stop pretending like I know anything about war. So, uh, in the the short little intermission to our episode, we'd like to thank all of our wonderful, wonderful patrons. Uh, we've got Aaron, average gamer. Brian Wiley, Burt Bobain, <laughs> DL, X Nilio, James Ledley, John, Lawrence, Mia, and the Chris Lapaco. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love you. I always say the Chris Lapaco, like football <laughs> players say the Ohio State University. Don't talk about Ohio Gosh. State University. I'm about. Well, I mean, you know, we very much appreciate the people who um, are supporting us monetarily, especially since there really isn't a um, tangible benefit to it. Uh, and, and that's something yet. And, you know, that, that is something uh, we're, con- we're considering, you know, how we can how we can rework that, you know, to to give maybe premium episodes or, or other content. Um, but, uh, I guess I just wanted to say, I really do appreciate all that, uh, everyone's been able to give. I mean, uh, I usually am not able to contribute myself to, um, podcasts. And and if we ever do do premium content, it's not going to be like paywall. Like if you don't have, if you don't have the means, um, you will not be denied, um, just because there's some sort of price on it. And one other thing, just the, um, the, the patron model, um, it, it is useful to follow, even if you can't become a patron. So then like, you, you're still going to get emails or, or you know, it, I think you could use the, the RSS feed too. Um, yes. But, you know, just, just letting everyone know that, 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 that it is an option. You don't actually have to um, be like, giving bad praxis money to follow it and, and, and we are we 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 are on on itunes and podcast addict and soundcloud so between those three i think we're on i think you can find us on on most of the major podcast uh purveyors and yeah uh if you if you actually want to listen to us talk like even if you don't have money like we will just throw content <laughs> even, at you. even if you don't have money that sounded really bad but that's not how i meant it i'm sorry all right okay um uh, so that being said uk shit all right um, time to talk about a functional country everyone's super fucking eating shit i'm still eating shit you're eating shit um, it really sucks B- referring to the fucking crushing labor loss, but, uh, someone else had a uh, crushing loss and I'm very happy about it. Uh, Joe Swinson, the leader of the liberal Dems lost her seat. Isn't that great? More, more like Joe's loss, son. More like owned Swinson. 
Uh, Joe swindled out of her seat. Oh, we we all said the the jokes we are told. <laughs> but now we're recording. Yeah, it was, just as, it was just as funny the second time. I'm I'm excited for um whatever tech job Joe Swinton lands. Now I'm I'm exci- I'm excited for her to join Facebook, walk down yeah. the halls, running into Nick Clegg, just going like. Ah, was you? Do you feel like your loss was better than my loss? Do you think my loss is better than your loss? I'm not sure which one of the times that we ate shit was better. Well, through that mountain of shit that was the result of that election, I I can't help but notice the bright spots. Uh, you know, Republican parties like are the majority delegation for the first time ever in Northern Ireland fucking uh, party I'd never heard about in in Wales <laughs> taking seats in the Scottish National Party. Um, shout out, shout out, play cover. Little England. Yep. Uh, I, I will say, so just, just a quick, uh, a quick, you know, more, more factual statement about the Lib Dems. It is <laughs> incredibly funny that they won, they did get more votes than they did the last time they increased their vote share and still lost massive numbers of seats because all of the people they had accepted in as uh, as turncoats from uh, labor from the li- from uh, the Tories from uh, you know uh, TIG the independent group for change changing the UK now at zero members. Uh, they're all they all ate shit. The the Lib Dems tried to gain back uh, the seat. Did Bill keep his seat? No, he he ate oh he ate God. absolute shit. Yeah, pour pour out one glass of milk for my boy. <laughs> look, look look how they milk blasted my. Boy. <laughs> um, but like the, the so to take an example. The Lib Dems tried to gain back uh, Sheffield Hollow, which was the constituency that Nick Clegg had had. Nick Clegg was the leader before the leader before the leader before the current one. Um, uh, The Labour MP in that constituency had essentially had, uh, it's not entirely clear, a mental breakdown. He had some like actual... uh, problems with, with his mental health and had been essentially non-existent to his constituency like he had he just hadn't been talking to anyone in his in his constituency so everyone on earth thought this was a guaranteed lib dem pickup they lost by multiple points <laughs> like you can't win a seat where you are essentially you are running against a party who is whose MP from this constituency had actively not been doing shit for like two years. What, what's you, what's the point? What are you doing here? And, and now, now, so uh, Joe jo Swinson, the leader has lost her seat uh, to, to the SNP, which, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, a party in the UK. So are there problems with turfs? Yes. Uh, more, more on them later. Hmm. Um, but, uh, the the current 
betting odds on a leader to replace her as the leader of the Lib Dems is a man named Ed Davey, who, like many British politicians, looks like a melted frog. <laughs> and unfortunately, and also during the uh, during the 2019 election, uh, Wait, what's the his election, name again? I need to look him up and Ed, yeah. Ed, look at his face. Yeah, Ed. Ed Davey, uh, folks, Google that face. Oh man, he he has that British resting pedophile face. Sure. <laughs> resting nonce face. <laughs> My man, looking real good. Um, so he he has uh, it, during the during the electoral campaign, uh, he said that. The economic strategy the Lib Dems should promise in their manifesto is, among other things, a permanent 1% budget surplus until the entire debt of the United Kingdom is wiped away. Oh, no. That is genius. genius. That is the most baby brain, insane bullshit I have ever heard in my life. The Tories aren't that stupid. Like, it's lunacy. It's just, just like destroying the social safety net to make a number on a spreadsheet zero out because that's the only way you can feel joy in your soul. I mean, what, what like, slug monster e economic outfit like came up with that is is that even anything like a like whatever bog think tank they have came up with that's probably like the taxpayers association or the I IEA or one of one of those psychopathic like the only libertarians in the UK uh, <laughs> unless you count the royal family but just on certain <laughs> matters no one listens to this parody. in the UK, Seth. It's fine. Parody in a video game, UK barristers. Actionable, please sue me. <laughs> <laughs> um, if uh, yeah, if if you thought that there wasn't enough think tanks in the UK, um, trust me, uh, the Boris Johnson government has a plan for that. <laughs> We're replacing them all with tanks. <laughs> uh, also, uh, in in other leadership news, so uh, Corbin, oh God. Here Corbin, comes this shit. yeah, Cor Corbin has has said that he will, they will be, uh, he will be stepping down uh, upon the completion of a labor leadership campaign that should go probably in March. Um, honestly, pour one out. Uh, a, a a good man uh, destroyed by, by vicious press smears. A, a number a number of things. Some things some things that were were his fault. There were legitimately things where he probably he should have acted uh, with more decisiveness. But ultimately, uh, a, a good man just utterly annihilated. Um, and uh, just to to go on that for a second, um, I have been hearing from from other podcasts, uh, reasons why the Labour Party lost. And, uh, you know, 
about how about how, all of all of them obviously as these things go are uh, they lost because of my pet issue with them well, it's, that it's I've just been, like 2016 like exactly. area grievances um and so half of them are like oh the labor party went uh too far left which is why they gain more of a percentage of the vote than uh, Ed Mil under Ed Miliband. Cool, that's that's real. Um, but the the other one that I get annoyed with is the idea that they actually should have, like, you know, just been legends and stuck with a a, a pro Brexit position. The problem with that idea is they're so a left wing Brexit, a Lexit, if you will, I will not, um, <laughs> is is an idea that's been kicked around for a long time. I mean, Corbyn was a, a Benite uh, member of the kind of Benite wing of the Labour Party, and they, for a long period of time, have been highly critical of the EU. Um, but just among the populace, the case for uh, a, for Lexit for a, a a Brexit that's not based on like oh they shut down the racism factory in my town of uh, you know Workington right north <laughs> north North Shropshire on chase the brown people around um, it, the the case for that just hasn't been made like. People have a instinctual left-wing criticism of the EU, but you you had multiple years where to make that case, and it just wasn't made. You you got to move past it. Yeah, and I don't think you can just make that ad hoc for the purposes no. of an election. In in Brexit came about as racism. Yeah, like the it was based in barely coded racism. You know the the it was mask off, you know, kick all the Polish people out of Britain, um, and so you you embrace embracing it as the labor leader is just oh so labor's doing the racism too. It's it's very unfortunate because the actual thing, the actual problem as it relates to Brexit with Corbyn is that. Uh, you know, people like to talk about how Leave radicalized, how from 2017, like in 2017, I think most people had a, a very vague concept of what leaving meant. And now, like the Leave constituency in the UK is just 100% hard Brexit and also new uh, Brussels. Um, like they were obviously further along the radicalization scale. But the real problem for labor was that after 2017, really in 2018, uh, Remain went absolutely bug nut crazy. They went bonkers. Full uh, resistance dipshit. Yeah, like they basically got an idea in their head that if they like posted hard enough that they could that they could make Jeremy. It it really was like we we make jokes and people online make jokes that the all these people wanted Jeremy Corbyn to press the don't do Brexit button, but that's actually how they thought about this stuff. Like they, they their concept of this, and I, I've seen this in uh, when uh, 
Emily Thornberry, uh, who's one of the eight people trying to run for labor leadership now, when she put out her uh, initial uh, like guardian op-ed, said that what people should have done instead of running this election was they should have gotten a second referendum. And it's like, how? How? There wasn't enough of a vote for that. This is like, there, there is, there is. It's like literally why an election had to come about. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, like there is, you know, you can do massive amounts of stuff. Uh, Britain, Britain really allows the prime minister, if they have the full support of their party and their party has a majority in parliament, you can really do whatever you want. It is like parliamentary dictatorship is a, a pretty for real thing. Um, uh, but nobody had control over the last parliament. The Tories didn't have control because they their aims were mutually exclusive with the DUP, who was the only reason why they were in power. Uh, the anti-Brexit uh, coalition, if you want to call it that, didn't have power because they literally didn't have a majority. They didn't have the numbers. And so, uh, like, you know, you... With with Remain, you you it got to a point where there was a vote um, that it was a kind of very like you know non-binding whatever kind of kind of vote on what do we want to do about Brexit in in Parliament and uh, there were there were multiple different options on the table from hard Brexit to revoking Article Fifty um, and. The one that got closest was essentially the labor policy since 2017, which is get a Norway plus style deal with the EU and be done with it. Just get that deal and move on, you know, get Brexit done as it were. Um, and it didn't pass. Why you might ask, didn't it pass? Oh boy, it was because the Lib Dems voted present mm. they tulsi gabbarded it they Beep. they voted present so that group did not have a majority in parliament also because the lib dim position was to act like the first referendum never happened and just so, new article 50 if i yeah. understand then um had they abstained from voting instead of voting Present, the oh, resolution no, no. would have passed. Is that so? Well, they, yeah, they did abstain, uh, not voted. This is the oh. broadly a broadly similar thing. They they needed to actually vote for that, right? But it also this is this is ultimately the the Lib Dem delusion, which uh, yeah, by Richard Dawkins. Um, but, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, uh, the, the 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 issue they had was they thought that it's that if they went up against no deal Brexit, then hard remain would win because no one clearly was going to vote for no deal Brexit except everyone was going to vote for no deal Brexit who voted for the Tories because that's the party platform now. It's like it's this. It is just some like. Hillary campaign promotes Donald Trump behind the scenes ass shit. Mm -hmm. And it has guaranteed a hard Brexit, if not a no deal Brexit. Wow. What a horrible fucking country. The one lesson. 
the one lesson like I'm most concerned about drawing is a less is is actually that you should not draw another lesson, which is this does not translate at all into like the United States. There is oh. no Brexit in America. There is no um fucking Scotland or whatever. It, they're not the same yeah. country. The the what we can learn from it is that okay, basically the like what least popular politician in in Britain lost to like a marginally less or marginally more popular candidate uh guess who's the most popular candidate or popular politician rather not just candidate in the united states it does not translate if you take that take i'm going to like scream <laughs> the absolute boy bernard sanders the, the, abs- <laughs> the absolute the absolute the absolute boy mike bloomberg <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well and i think i think this is really a distinction um between Bernie and Corbyn, uh, that I think the the, the Chapo uh, wrap up of the election got I think quite right. Um, Corbyn at his core, there are like there are definitely things where he will uh, you know just put his feet he put his feet down. He he will you know get destroyed by people on, and he will he will just dig in harder. Um, but unfortunately. There's a lot of stuff uh, where he is earnestly kind of yeah, mixed, Brexit being one of them. The other, you know, gr- growing out of that, uh, he is a creature of the Labour Party. Uh, so he doesn't have the kind of necessary desire to completely remake the party on a, on a structural level, not just a leadership level. Uh, that I think Bernie has. That mm, I, think, yeah. I think Bernie, like Bernie, has like people. People like to, you know, say that you know the people in in Corbyn's circles are all like Stalinist Trotskyists. They're well, they're <laughs> both at the same time somehow. Well, would you say uh, Jezza had a theory of change, or or what was his theory of change? So I think his theory his theory of change was broadly. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's it's the base social democratic theory of change. It is we will uh, embrace uh, the kind of movements movements in the UK into us with, through like momentum and other organizations mm-hmm. like that. Uh, we will gain power through an election, and then we will you know do policies that people like and then people's opinions of us will change because they will be interacting with programs that we will be heavily touting we do did like that's us that's our thing um the the issue the issue for for corbyn really is just that brexit really did get in the way because i think people have said that corbyn corbyn is like oh he's too wishy-washy on brexit and i don't actually think that's true i think he is Er, he was earnestly of two minds on it because he has historically been critical of it. He's been a part of uh, the party that's been critical of it. And that part of the party has had like in the, in the nineties really had, had to embrace because of, you know, the time and fall of the Soviet union and all the rest that like, well, this thing is probably, gonna be just sticking around for a long time we have to live with it 
Um, well, I I think you'll in, anticipate what I'm going to say as I start to say it. But like that that is that is just such a nuanced cerebral position that I of course completely understand. But when 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 he was like on a debate stage, being repeatedly asked, "What specifically is your Brexit?" I think any he, he won't take an either or position. It, it was just. Like who could this appeal to? Oh, besides yeah. from, you mean, I mean, us, <laughs> because I mean, we don't really actually give a shit about Brexit. It's kind of tertiary. Oh. It, yeah, it, I mean, it, it I seemed like such an untenable position and a bad look to like refuse to have an answer on that question. Oh yeah, I think I think that is true, and and like I think ultimately. The only way you are going to get a referendum passed was if the like leadership of the party in power remained neutral. Because one of the things that fucking pushed Leave to win was that everybody was for Remain. Like mm-hmm. every yeah. major party other than fucking UKIP was for it. Um and and well, also the fact that if uh, a second referendum had been run, uh, if you didn't have the Labour Party in charge of it in some way, if you had the people who were in charge of the first Remain campaign in charge, it was going to be a fucking massacre. And if you had the people who were like calling for a second referendum in charge, it would have been worse. What do you mean the first Remain? Well, the, the the first the first referendum the first Brexit referendum campaign the the people who ran the Remain campaign in in that uh, in that uh, uh, referendum uh, they were just like awful. Okay. So ba- ba- in 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 summary in summary we learned nothing um, <laughs> from from the circle. UK. Um, yeah, yeah. Time is a flat circle. Yeah, uh, the UK is an awful, wretched country with with perhaps an even more swine-like electorate than ours. And if if you are in the Labour Party and listening to this, uh, vote for Rebecca Long Bailey. If you vote for Keir Starmer, I will come into your bedroom at night and, and redacted. I will make your I will make my face look like Prince Philip's. <laughs> Tos. I will haunt your fucking dreams. <laughs> your sleep paralysis demon looks like no. I'm not even going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Well, yeah. So I guess I guess this is a a good opportunity to kind of pilot premium content. So, um, become a patron for the the rest of this episode, <laughs> or or become a patron for the. Adjoining episode to this. Watch. Yes. Yeah. The 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 fun, um, uh, lighthearted. Um, that's not really that lighthearted, but we'll have fun, and that's what it's about. Turfs. It's about yeah. Become and become Vicky rallying and turfs and fucking wizard fascists. Yeah. Become a become a premium uh, subscriber to listen to the other part of the episode where we talk about the bad things done by a famed child uh, author. Child's book author in the UK. That's right. We're going in on Philip Pullman. <laughs> <laughs> the, the HBO His Dark Materials show was okay and could have been better. <laughs>
Love, I, yeah, yeah. I, I love when ha- the Hamilton guy plays the brave balloon man. I'm doing a Texan accent, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am actually stopping the recording okay. right now. Okay. Sam Johnson declared that patriotism is the last refuge of the scout. We must have had the Wall Street gentry in mind. But when I leave, you can remember I said with the last words on my lips that I am a revolutionary. Political leaders have always exhorted the American people to be nice and quiet and leave things to them. those people with iPads. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not a fan with on this conversation, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how would we even begin to answer?